Time for Pet Chat. Of course, firstly, Cheryl Shaw. G'day, Cheryl. Hello, Mark. And what have you got for us a little later this morning? We're going to be talking with Guide Dogs Australia and about something they've got happening in August. We will look forward to that. And uh, Dr David, you've been messing around with my chair over there. What are you doing? I think you're trying to sabotage me. Yeah, I know. I, I nearly ended up on the ground. <laughs> That's all right. We can see you from here. I'm not going to say anything, otherwise my chair will just go bang as mm, well. So mm. any, anything, good. anything from you today? Look, I've been away for a bit mm -hmm. and I haven't been just bludging and lying on beaches. I've been at a conference and I always like to bring back a few um, tidbits and uh, snippets from new information that's out there. To give the perception you. that it was not a junket. Cheryl, you've got your uh, guest uh, you've got your guest joining us from Guide Dogs Australia, Chris Ward, their philanthropist manager this afternoon. Hi, Chris. Good morning, how are you? Oh, I'm well. Thank you for joining us. And look, I just want to say what a great job you guys do at the Guide Dogs. And obviously everybody um, knows that the, the work you do, but you've got something new coming up for the month of August. Do you want to tell us what it's all about? Yes, oh, we're very excited about this. It's a great new campaign we're running called Porgust, um, where we're challenging people who own a dog to grab their best mate and walk every day in August for 30 minutes. So 30 minutes for every day in August. So getting out there with your dog, getting active, and then as part of the campaign, you get your friends and family to sponsor you, and all those donations go to help guide dogs breed, raise and train wonderful guide dogs for people. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It's sort of taking your best friend for a walk. You're getting exercise at the same time and raising those needed funds. Is it an yes. individual thing? Is it just for people, um, or can you have teams, or what's the story there? Well, um, it's both. So people who are just on their own with a dog can sign up on our website, porgus.com.au, and set up their own individual web page with photos of their dog and themselves, etc. Um, or you can set it up with a team. So you can set up as a team and then all walk together um, to do it in a combined way. So it's both there for groups. Um, sometimes we've got dog clubs and community groups are doing it as a group. And as I say, sometimes individual dog owners as well. Okay, and there was another thing. I mean, porgust is a new word for me, but I also heard the <laughs> podometer as well. Now, what's the podometer all about? Yes, I do apologise. We've gone a bit crazy with dog puns. Yes. Um, we, we're saying the word porfect quite a lot as well. Um, so <laughs> for, the, for the podometer, um, so because it's all about getting out and being active with your dog, we've had made these special um, dog pedometers. So you put them on your dog's collar, and it'll count how many steps the dog does in the month of August. And then on a daily basis, you can add those numbers of steps onto your fundraising page. So it shows everyone as great evidence of the activity that you and your dog are getting up to. Oh, and that's, that's, of course, a great memento to keep for the future too. Absolutely. And no cheating along the way because you'll be able to um, actually record what you've walked with your dog. Yeah, exactly. No hiding. You've got to go out there and get active in the cold months. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it's a really good time, I think, to do this in August because people start thinking about, you know, going swimming in the springtime and getting out and about. So, you know, as far as trimming down the waistline a bit, it's a great idea both for the dog and for the human. Yes, well, I think one of the insights that really uh, made us hatch the idea of Porgus was where we have a lot of dog owners in guide dogs and a lot of dog owners support guide dogs as a charity and we know that August, as the wintry months get colder and the dark days get longer, people don't walk their dogs as much. We know quite a lot of dogs in Australia don't get walked every day. Um, we know it's very important for dogs to get a walk every day. Um, so if this is a way to encourage everyone to get out there and walk with their dogs, 
spend quality time together and that's a really positive thing. Oh, absolutely. So is this going to be a thing that you'll continue? This is the first time you're doing it. Are you going to continue this as a yearly event? Yes, that's the idea. We want to run it every year in August all over Australia. So our guide dog chapters all over the country are taking part, which is wonderful. So, yes, we want to do it every year. And so far the response has been phenomenal. Um, we've had a great response from the community. So it's looking good that we'll be able to run this every year. Okay, and get that money that's needed for the training. I must say that I went down to the facility. Is it Glostina? Is that how you say this, the suburb in Sydney? It's called it's called Glossodia. It's near Glossodia. near Windsor. Yes. Near Windsor. Yeah. Yes, I went down to that facility and had a tour once, and I just thought, oh, what an amazing place! And and I know that you guys really need the money. So I hope everybody gets behind Paugust and helps support and raise those needed funds. And well, thank you. And, yeah, really good luck with that, Chris. I just think it's a great concept and, um, you know, exercising is so important for pets as well. We've got so many obese dogs around. Yes. Well, I think a lot of people don't know that Guide Dogs is essentially funded by the community. We get very little, if any, um, funding from the government and our great work is made possible through generous donations from the community. So these events are very important to keep the good work happening. Oh, well, good luck with it and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for your interest. There he is from Guide Dogs Australia, their philanthropist manager, Chris Ward, joining us on Pet Chat. And Cheryl, a great idea. Porgus, I was trying to think of some puns. i got nothing. Uh, They've August. taken all the good ones. And podometer. But mm. podometer. Oh, Dr. David, you've, you've had a sneak peek at the call that's coming in. What? Are, what are you, steady on. Right. Steady right. on. I've been waiting weeks for this call. Yeah, you've been sort of, you've been away for a while. So yes. We'll get you out of holiday mode. Right. Mick from Fennel Bay, you've got a question about vitamin supplements today. Sasha's Blend has been around for a while. Um, it's it's been around for a long time, actually, even back when I was in general practice, and that was a couple of decades ago. So um, it's been very popular. Um, for it to stay around that long means that people are obviously happy and it's working for them. Um, this kind of fits into, basically, you're right, it's like a glucosamine chondroitin supplement, which is uh, suggested that those things are going to help restore cartilage growth inside joints now what we do know is that whenever we're dealing with um, dogs that we suspect have arthritis it's important to get a, a diagnosis on that so that's you know obviously a trip to the vet and they say yeah these are the joints affected because there are a number of strategies and a uh, dietary supplement falls into one of those strategies but it's not the only one so weight control is important um, regular exercise, we just talked about taking a dog for a walk and if dogs are a little bit um, uh, weary with walking then often water-based water exercises will provide a lot of energy uh, expenditure in their muscles and while their joints are supported so that's a really good idea as well and then there are medications that are sometimes useful that you know for pain relief but also anti-inflammatory action Dietary supplements, as you've asked, I think are a great idea. And the other prospect is now we often look at stem cell therapy. So that's actually been useful for a lot of dogs with um, arthritis in their joints 
giving stem cell injections into the joints can often um, improve their condition dramatically. I've seen some really spectacular results. So it's not just one thing. It's you really got to hit it on a lot of fronts. Um, you can pick up Sasha's Blend and similar products. There are others out there, same, um, you know, from pet stores and uh, vets and so on. But um, it's really trying to work across a number of different methods. So not just the one dietary supplement, I think, but it's certainly a good place to start. Wonderful. So great advice there for me. Yep. So you've come back, David, on fire. I, like, look at him go. I feel like I'm still, yeah. In holiday mode. No, I wasn't. It wasn't just holidays, Mark. I was working. <laughs> I was working. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Cheryl, what do you think? You've seen David come in this afternoon. He's got a pair of shorts on. He's I in holiday mode. I fell over the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you did mention that you, you've been away and mm. you've learned a few tips. So, I mean, we've got a little bit of time. Do you want to share a couple of those now? Well, uh, each year in the middle of the year, in July, the uh, Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary Scientists have their annual meeting. It's called Science Week. Um, there's a lot that goes on in that week. And as part of that, we actually get updates from people in research and you know the experts the specialists and so on um, we have uh, special guest lecturers come in so just to give you a quick wrap up on, on some things that are kind of relevant for pet owners and relevant to uh, the local area actually one of the things that um, we're involved in through our hospital is actually this project called snake map which is run by the university of melbourne in conjunction with the college and Snake Map is an Australia-wide survey of uh, snake envenomations of dogs and cats. So we're actually tracking where they're happening because there is some good data and evidence that shows that if we can locate where these snakes are um, and the type of bites that our pets might get exposed to, what are the natures, or what's the nature of the venom? how they go through treatment, what success rates we're seeing there. So there's a whole lot of research can come out of that. Interestingly, um, just to give you a quick rundown, so far they've got 350 patients in the system. So we've actually geographically mapped them using uh, Google Maps, believe it. You can put them on and measure their latitude and longitude right down to the you know inches where they were. Um, and then uh, they've got 300, over 350 cases. The peak months for um, snake bite in dogs right across Australia is October, November. But we do see uh, episodes throughout the whole year. They've really slowed down a bit now, thank goodness. Um, but we do need to be alert for them in those kind of late spring months. Uh, I guess when the snakes are starting to get out and about. Starting and again, to get out Because they, they just discovered a new snake yes. this week, another venomous snake in Queensland. Really? What's that, number 57? Yeah, I think we've yeah. another one of the world's venomous snakes right here. <laughs> That's right. So, interestingly, one of the things we've found with this mapping is that the risk of snake bite goes up the closer you are to a waterway, and that occurs for pretty much all species of snakes. And once you move more than 500 metres away from a waterway, uh, the risk drops off dramatically. So, of course, when people go for a walk with their dogs, there's often creeks and, mm. you know, drains and things like that. So... Um, you just got to be careful. 500 metres is a fair distance. Uh, and some places you, you try to get 500 metres away from a waterway and you're just about in the next one. Pretty <laughs> <So>. much. <laughs> Unless you're in the desert or something. So it is... It is uh, well, we've, we've actually tracked them in our local area because, as I said, we participate in this project and we've looked at our local map and it literally tracks the Hunter River 
and some of the waterways and, and drains around Newcastle. That's where the bites are occurring. Mm, and we've had more than one brown snake, sniding, brown snake sighting on Nobby's break wall. Yeah, mm. there you go. So there's a few more for you. Right, near, a, the, right near the Dog Beach. That's a big waterway. <laughs> that's the biggest one around here. And Helen from Wall's End, you've got a question for Dr Dave. Your dog is losing its hearing? Yes, I noticed uh, a couple of months ago, she's a nine-year-old um, female Tenderfield Terrier, and I've noticed because she's an inside dog, every time the doorbell rang, she would absolutely go frantic and run to the door, but she's not even hearing the doorbell. And I'm just wondering, should I just take it to the vet and, and make that? certain or could it be something else a blockage or something mm. or um i know dogs go deaf and there's not a lot you can do about it but yeah so um has she had problems with her hearing uh, with her ears at all in the past no she hasn't never had skin problems or anything ever had what skin problems like itchiness anywhere no she oh she's always licking her feet i mean she's mm. always sort of gnawing at her feet yeah. Um, every time the doorbell went, you know, she would go for the door because she loves people, you know. Yeah. yeah. And she, as I said, she's an inside dog, but she's definitely losing her hearing. I, I put the key in the door the other day, came in, and she still didn't hear me mm. sleep, and she woke up when she saw me, so. I mean, it is possible that um, we do see dogs will lose their hearing if the eardrum is damaged. Okay. Um, so obviously the mechanism of converting a sound wave, a pressure wave in the air into an electrical signal in our brain, yeah. uh, there's a lot of different parts in between that. So the, the first thing is that the eardrum needs to be intact to work, but even with some damage to the eardrum, it doesn't mean they completely lose their hearing. And particularly, uh, dogs are very sensitive to, you know, they'll pick up... Um, like vibrations in the furniture, in the floor, things yeah. like that. So Yeah, I you, understand that, yeah. You know, it could even be, like you said, jiggling the um, the keys in, yeah. the, in the door itself could set up a vibration that she would pick up. So it is possible that it could be related to something in the ears. Okay. But again, that would require both ears to be a f problem. And the reason I asked about itchy skin is because a lot of dogs that have allergic skin disease can sometimes the first place it really shows up is in their ears and you don't notice it okay so it's cer certainly worth worth checking out for that reason okay um i guess the other side and and nine-year-old is is not that old particularly that's for, what i thought it's usually dogs about 14 and 15 you hear that have lost their hearing and maybe mm. their sight but she's pretty active and she's She's, she looks physically fine, but as I said, I've, it's not just me, it's my, my sons that have noticed it too, that she's, she's not hearing, you yeah. know. Yeah. So um, that's fine, I'll, I'll take it to the vet, but I just want to make sure if I was, yeah, doing the right thing, and I wouldn't do the right thing. Cause no, she's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I want to do the right thing by her. She's so wonderful, but yeah, yeah so I'll, I will do that. I'll make an appointment with the vet and just have it checked out. Yep. The other side of it then is if they're hearing, if the ears are okay, then certainly we would be worried about some brain or nerve dysfunction, and that's still worth having checked out. Because even though it might seem an inevitable thing, yeah. Um, as we said, like it's pretty young for a dog to have a degeneration in that area, and okay. there can there can be some other 
diseases that can affect the hearing in the brain that um, may require some treatment. So worth a, worth a trip for both those reasons. Thank you very much and hope you'll hopefully you get that one sorted out, Helen. Also, Nolene from Raymond Terrace. Uh, we're talking dog allergies. Are you allergic to the dog or has the dog got something it's allergic to? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what I, I'm trying to find out. Well, yep. when, you, when they were living, they've just moved up to Kareela up near the Queensland border. Up there, he doesn't scratch. And they were down here the other day, and he was scratching like mad. Mm. And I was wondering, is there something in the ground down here that could be affecting him? Yes, trees. Oh, different yes. different trees. Yeah, well, I had him here for, when they were moving. I had him for the weekend, and I've got uh, not very many trees around here. And he was in here, and oh, he was scratch, 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 scratch. Nearly tore himself to pieces. So we see lots of allergies in dogs, and um, what we you can actually get them tested for, you know, the different pollens, yeah. uh, different trees, grasses, yeah. um, and house dust mite, and we find that they're often allergic to a number of different things. And because of the different species of plants, there will be a mm. cr- crossover even to uh, trees or pollens that, sh- you know, they've never had exposure to. Um, So you go to a different area and it could be that you become more allergic or you become less allergic just because of the change in pollens and trees and grasses. And it doesn't have to be directly in contact. So it doesn't have to be, you know, things in the yard because they will actually inhale particles into their lungs which then trigger the reaction. Mm. Is there anything you can give him to to stop it or...? Uh, if if it's a temporary thing, like you've said, like it's just happening down here, then I'd probably have a chat to the vet about there's some antihistamine medication that can be useful. Um, it's kind of hard to give you any spe- uh, specific recommendation because uh, for a couple of reasons, but the main one is that we're never sure which one works best in which dog, and sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error. Um if, uh, you know, then he's going back up to northern New South Wales. Yeah, well, and he's gone back up and he, he doesn't scratch he doesn't up there, which is, and so, it's as dry as anything up there. So yeah, so that's, that's great up there. But if he comes yeah. back here, you, then you might need to use some medication or yeah. just simply bathing and wiping him over frequently, like almost every day, yeah. will help as well. But if he's up there, the only thing I would caution is that he may well develop allergies in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Because he's, obvi- right. he's obviously allergic in his system. It's just what does he get exposed to, and then yeah. he's, he's up there and all that beautiful weather up there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I envy, envy my son. Yeah, well, you may, you'll have to go and look after the dog f- f- and visit frequently. It's not a bad idea. I think we've, we've all just booked our next holiday. Oh. So you've got about forty-five holidays coming up, haven't you, Dave? I'm. Um, Look, I look after it. <laughs> He's got it sorted. He's got it sorted. He didn't want to give too much away there, Sean. Did you notice? I'm going to bring my brain every Wednesday mm. for an hour and yeah. switch on. For a whole hour. Do you know how hard that is? Not even the full hour. By the time we take Cheryl and her guest out, yes. we take the news out. Take we, the news out. And we take uh, other uh, other bits out. It's, um, it's about 10 minutes you're on for. I'm thinking all that time. <laughs> Look, Dr. Dave, you, you, we've been trolling through your uh, junket, I mean <laughs> exhibition, I mean what, what it was you went to, and yes. we've mentioned snakes. You have a few other things that you were well, just Well, just to finish off the snake thing, mm. there's that we've also got out of those numbers, those more than 350 cases, some survival st- statistics, 88% of dogs... 
Um, and now remember that's across all scenarios. Mm-hmm. And 92% of cats. So isn't that interesting, you know, that we've got over 90%. And that's with use of anti-venom. That's actually not bad. That's yeah, pretty that's good. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, now, some of those animals, you know, the costs of treatment can get expensive, mm-hmm. so they may not come through for other reasons. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the whole, uh, there was, we had a really interesting topic presented by a toxicologist from the Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medical Authority who regulate things, and they were talking about this toxin that's now could be in Australia. It's manufactured in China and India, and I'm not going to give you the name because Mm. it's incredibly long. And uh, look, I have to say it was pretty horrible to hear the story about this toxin, but um, apparently it can be bought over the internet, and it has caused deaths in children in the U.S., Okay, so and so it's out there. So when you when you say toxin, that word, it's how a is it bait. getting? <clears throat> okay, it's a white powder rat bait. But because it's coming in from overseas, it's not correctly labelled, and it's not actually meeting the Australian standards as far as uh, these you know regulators are setting for pesticides and so on. Um, and is it? It's not legal here, but it's coming no. in anyway. No, it's coming in anyway. David, you've just give, give me the click of the fingers. You want to talk about something before we head to the phone? I just heard the promo: health and well-being. You, right? You, you were asking me about that before. Yes, we... the biggest talk at mm. the conference that I went to filled the whole place. Yeah. Everybody came together. It was a Dr. Fiona Moyer from New Zealand, who's a human doctor, gave a talk on how to live a meaningful life. Okay. Well, what did she say? Get a pet or something? No, no, no. no. She, she. The best advice came from her son who said that you should just get out there and be kind to people and that he wanted to travel the world and be a chef and a secret spy. And because <laughs> I can't reconcile all of that together. I'll come back. Because, he said, you don't want to get to really old age and be sitting on a couch eating biscuits saying, I wish I'd done more. All of it sounds pretty good until the last part of that. So sitting on a couch eating biscuits, that's lovely. <laughs> oh, what do you think, it. Cheryl? <laughs> Living a meaningful life, Mark. That's pretty meaningful. That's wonderful. <laughs> good afternoon, Janice. You're on Pet Chat with uh, Dr. Dave at the moment, and you've got a problem with a couple of dogs. Yes, I have. I bought a, a German Shepherd around about three years ago who is fully trained. Mm-hmm. Um, about... A year and a half ago, I have a shit, uh, well, I have, that's called a fadoodle, which mm-hmm. is a fox terrier cross turtle. Um, now, these two dogs do not get along whatsoever. All I know is the shepherd wants to keep eating the little fadoodle. Um, mm. We don't actually know what to do. We've been through to three people so far, and nothing has worked. Now, the other day, she got into the other pen with her and nearly killed her. <laughs> and I just don't know what to do. This is uh, this has been a year and a half, you said. So yes. that's that's quite a long period of time, and you've had some intervention. Um, did you... We've tried, to get, we've tried to put them together. We've walked them together. Um, but they've got to have muzzles on. Yeah. Uh, um, and I just don't know what to do. They're both beautiful dogs, and I don't know. So, I, said, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know whether I should be getting rid of one, keeping one, or just putting up with it. But at the moment, I'm more worried that she's going to hurt someone. Yeah. So the 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 probably the key thing I would say is that um, some dogs just aren't going to get along. 
just as some people are not going to get along. So we have to accept that in some circumstances, it doesn't matter how much you want this to happen, and in sometimes even how much work you put into it, you may not be successful. The problem you've got is that you've got a really big mismatch in size, and so when things don't work, it could be catastrophic and tragic. And so my counsel in regards to that is that we treat this extremely seriously because the health and well-being of one or both dogs is is very much at risk. Um, If you haven't already spoken or had a visit with a veterinary behaviourist, then I would suggest that you do so for a couple of reasons. Yes, there's a very big training component here. Uh, Yes, there's very much a part of setting up the household to make sure that the dogs can either not interact or interact as is needed. But also sometimes we're seeing this played out. It could be anxiety, it could be fear. And there are other things there that are going on that can be treated with um, behaviour modification and medication. And so that, that kind of rounds out that whole experience. You can do the training on one dog, you can do the training on the other dog, but if it really is an anxiety, fear response, then the training goes out the window. Um, I, guess, I guess, Dave, at the end of the day, if, if you can't fix it, you can't fix it, and it's gonna, life's going to get pretty tough for the smaller dog. Well, for both dogs, True. I think, yeah. yeah. But certainly the impact mm. uh, and the consequences the physical impact, yeah. can be drastic for the smaller of the two dogs. And in yes. m- most, most cases, there's no coming back from it uh, in terms of having to no, want a harmonious pet life with the, everybody. And, you know, I've, I've had this scenario where dogs have come in in exactly the same scenario, and 99.9% of the time, owners and the people are just good people mm. wanting to see good things happen, but it's more than that. It's not just about the best wishes. I guess, so. like you said, think of it in human terms. There are certainly some people that we, we people we can't get along with, so you just have to move away from you them. You just have to stay away. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've no. got a few people like that. You're not on that list, though. I just friended you, Mark, on <laughs> you Facebook. Did. You wouldn't say that to That's me right. now. No, no. And Cheryl, I'm, I'm, you're okay. You can stick around as well. Oh, oh. thanks, Mark. <laughs> Good afternoon, Anne and Badawi. You want to pick up a comment on rat bait? Yes. Um, yeah, I was listening last week and missed out um, on the timing. And a racumen bait is a type of bait that's out that helps to prevent secondary poisoning. It uh, breaks down in the yeah, rats, yeah. and when birds of prey or other animals eat the creature, if they eat the creature, it actually prevents having that secondary poisoning. Yeah, we do because we do see that from time to time. It's probably a bit, I think, um, a bit overstated sometimes. Um, I think most of the time when we see um, problems happening, it's uh, particularly um, with birds of prey, as you said. Yeah. They, they're often, it's actually the, it's not the bait that's in the animal's bloodstream, it's the bait that's in the animal's stomach. Right. You see, so they, it has... Yes, and so it actually isn't ha- hasn't even had time to break down. Right. Um, so it, it kind of it's. Do you call that a secondary poisoning or a first poison because it's kind of just getting straight exposed to it? So um, there are that the one that you're referring to, which is the ingredient is cumatetrolyl, which is a first generation. Now the first generations uh, require a larger dose to cause poisoning of the rat, of the rodent mm-hmm. species. And so generally, also, they have to require multiple days of ingestion. 
And right. so that minimises the toxicity to other species like dogs and cats. And mm-hmm. so but it does mean that birds of prey are, are a good example can still get poisoned because it could be in their stomach. But you're right, right. it's less likely to be a problem. Yes, yeah. 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 So yeah, good advice. Thanks very much for that, Anne. Wonderful. Thank you, Anne, and indeed uh, Janice as well. And we've almost made it to the end of Pet Chat. Have you got anything very quickly you want to throw in from the conference that we haven't had time to look at today, David? Um, Take that no. as a no. <laughs> I did, a, I, did a, uh, a, I actually didn't do it, but I did organise a CPR training course, and now vets can actually be certified in doing dog and cat CPR. Oh, dear. It's, yeah. So we, we, we've been running these for a couple of years now. And, and Again, um, there's some people you don't want to do that to. That'll get too close to little alone your animals. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. David, for your input today. And, of course, Cheryl Thanks, Shaw, Mark. some great information earlier with the guide dog people. Thank you, yeah. Mark. It would be great to go down and have a look at that facility. I think oh, I'm all fantastic. ready to have a look now. It's really, really good. It's worth it. Do you great think they'd tour. let me go? They let anybody in to have a look. Oh. Pay your money. Yeah. Pay your money. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, that's Pet Chat for another week. Uh, the Cheryl and the gang will be back next week on 2NURFM. Just a reminder, uh, Lauren Fremantle and the Hunter News team are on the way for us, keeping you up to date with everything making uh, news locally from the Hunter Newsroom uh, in the next couple of moments. Uh, just also a reminder, if you're heading your way tonight to the uh, movie screening of Mamma Mia, here we go again. We look forward to seeing you there. Also, your chance to pick up uh, one of the 40th birthday 2NURFM FM Todd Sergeant uh, coffee mugs. So if you, even if you're not going to the movie, uh, you can uh, head along there tonight from half past five. He'll be signing them. You'll be Cheryl. I know you'll be along to just meet Todd, won't you? I'm not going tonight. No oh, invite. Well, but you, you can come along and buy one of his mugs. Cheryl <laughs> could just go down the go down the hallway to see Todd. <laughs> buy one and sort of circumvent going to the event, <laughs> maybe. Oh. Well, he's gone home for the day, so it's too late. Come tonight. Oh, okay. Come tonight, guys. We need all the friends we can. Anyway, we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.